0: A Shirley, oh, hello. I swear to God, she's on our she's on our show tomorrow, but we taped it today. And share. I'd like to just live in the moment of
1: Ian saying, "I swear to God," as if he could be making it up. <laughs> <laughs> we watch the show for the next like five nights, and it's like nothing. No, no mention of share. Like where share. It'd be a hell of a lie to make up, right? Like,
0: I'd be amazing. Running late, guys. Uh, share. <laughs> I just got stuck behind her in the bathroom. That was it. That's all I did. Not even on the show. <laughs>
2: to be honest, I didn't know she was still with us.
0: Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> I didn't know He's still here.
2: When Ian sent me that, I was like, "Oh, share." How old is Cher? Because I was very surprised. I was like, I wonder, is she eighty five? How old is Cher? Ian, since you're BFFs with with Cher,
0: man, I would, I would, I would drop the round number of timeless. I would say Cher is timeless. boy. <laughs>
2: that sounds like someone who just spent a lot of time with Cher.
1: That sounds like someone who knows how to do this podcasting thing and isn't
0: <laughs> just a bull in a china shop. Just destroy both timeless. And eternal. That's what I would drop on Cher. There you is. go. <laughs> how old is Cher? 74 years old, if you can believe it. Oh, no. How about that? Yeah. Perfect bitch.
1: Cher and Tina Turner, man.
0: Ooh. Great shape.
1: Did you see that documentary? I did. I did, man. It was crazy. Fantastic. It's wild because it's one of those things where, you know how someone tells you a story and then when you kind of see the actual thing, like, oh, okay, you kind of exaggerated here and there. You, yeah. You might have added a little. And in this, I'm like. Geez, you guys really like left a lot out in that movie. This is this is quite the graphic life that she's led, and then at the same time, and this might sound weird. I thought Ike Turner they actually gave him a fair shake in the documentary.
0: I think they did too, right? I think I think you're 100% right. Yeah, like they were like, he was an abusive prick who was amazing at music. Right. And her best musical moments for a long time were with him. But all the while, he was a terrible person. They like, I, th- I thought it was very
1: even. It was that, like, you know, for instance, the, I forget the name of the song that she did with Phil Spector. River Deep Mountain High. River Deep Mountain High. That in the movie, they made it seem like he shat on because just a hater. And in the documentary, they showed he's like, no, it's because it's like, this is the type of song that's not going to do well on this chart. And not gonna do well on that chart. It's like it's a nice song, but who's it for? And so I just little things like that. I thought they they were I won't say unnecessarily fair, but definitely they didn't have to be that fair towards him. And then the other thing was they took the time to explain the roots of why he was abusive. Yeah. Based on his past and all that. And again, I just felt like I mean, if I was making a documentary about my life and I thought about the most awful person. I don't know if I give them a fair shake and like have, well, you know,
0: there are some explainers here. Right. Which speaks to Tina Turner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. I'll see you guys later. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Nice positive start. (laughs) So Damian Lillard. Very much the Tina Turner of the NBA. Absolutely. Hit (laughs) after hit. The Raiders
2: still have the I can breathe tweet up, by the way. Oh, my God. God. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Way to double down.
0: I wonder if that if their <laughs> social media manager just went to dinner, like, all right, hard day's work, time to go, time to go, throw on some Ted Lasso and decompress. <laughs> like, what are they doing right now? It's insane. Call of Duty. I can breathe. Four twenty
2: twenty one. Um, the ratio right now is twenty thousand to three thousand. I think it should be higher than that.
0: Somewhere from Beyond the Grave, Al Davis is like, just delete it, baby. in this. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That voice you hear there is Ian Carmel, The Late Late Show, with James Corden. He's the head writer and co-host, and also the co-host host host of the All Fantasy Everything podcast, and also a huge Portland Trailblazers fan. Thank you for joining us on The Haber Show.
0: My pleasure. Thank you for saying I'm the co-host of The Late Late Show. I will absolutely take that. I'm out there on TV, yeah. and, and if people want to call me the co-host, you know, go ahead. Put everyone on ice. Go ahead, lavish laugh, <laughs> Who are we to, to
1: get in the way of the semantics of titles and things? Look, James is the host. The show is on. You're on the show. You're sitting out there in front of a camera. You're not hosting it. You're I'm co-hosting,
0: co-hosting it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I am. I'm a huge Trailblazer fan. They're playing the Clippers the <laughs> night we're recording this. And nobody's playing. All Everyone is sitting. Lillard is sitting. Nurkic is sitting. I think Kawhi is sitting. Paul George is sitting. Olden Polonese can't make it. We put the
1: call in. We said, guys, we're recording with
0: Ian. Yeah. Well, I don't want him distracted. Can we just roll out Kintel Woods? And- <laughs> it's going to be Robert Pack starting for the Blazers. Travis Outlaw. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. This, we're not going to be missing a thing. It's beautiful.
2: Everyone's just hanging out with Zach Collins, you know? This is what life is like for Zach Collins. We're just hanging out. We're waiting. This is the NBA season, right, Ian? It's like, hey, LeBron, AD, everyone's out. So the the Blazers are just getting in and all the fun.
0: That's right. Street close. The story of the 2021 NBA season. That's Amin El-Hassan,
2: who is the co-host of the Lebetard Show podcast.
1: Yeah, why
0: not? We're kicking
2: Dan off. It's just you and Stu Gatz.
1: Oh, I'll take it.
2: Also SiriusXM NBA Radio. and
1: I'm the co-host on this podcast. <laughs> 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 I'm the Ian Carmelo the haver Show. That's right. That's right. So good. So I'm, I'm sitting here and
2: we had lots of stuff to get into on the NBA side, but Really, I just want to hear more Ian Carmel. So how the fuck did you get to be the co-host of this show? That's amazing.
0: I started as a writer like six, seven years ago. Right when the show first started, I was one of the first people they hired. I was here before James came over from England, and nobody knew who he was. I had no idea who he was.
2: You didn't know who he was. You were just hired to be on the show.
0: I was hired to write. They said, hey, this person's taking over the Late Late Show. He's like a Broadway guy. And I was like, cool. I don't... I know of Broadway, to the extent that I was aware that like the fandom of the Opera was a thing. <laughs> we met at the Soho House, which is a very Hollywood Oh, wow.
2: Right? Already at the Soho yeah. House. Like you're not a writer anymore. You're, you're fucking talent. You're a star. Top
0: floor. Exactly. I might as well be Hugh Grant at that point. So we met up there and- Can I say Soho House? Overrated experience. Overrated. Absolutely.
2: I've only been to the one in Miami.
1: The Miami one's a good one. The one that you're talking about, is it West Hollywood or, or? West Hollywood, yeah. I wasn't
0: impressed. I was waiting for like epiphany. <laughs> and then I was like, eh. they make a decent fish taco there. You can say that for the Soho House in West Hollywood. The ones in London are really nice, which is the original. This is what they come to, to here for in depth. Should we power rank the Soho houses that we've been to? All fantasy everything. <laughs>
2: all fantasy everything. We got a fantasy draft. We got to draft the Soho houses.
0: All right. First pick, Chicago on New Year's. I saw somebody wearing a mirror ball face mask. I was on drugs. It was all I needed for the rest of the year.
2: Okay. So that's number one.
1: All right. That's number one. I'm going to go with Miami number two. Oh, you took my pick. New York. The one in the is it meatpacking? Chelsea meatpacking? Yeah, meatpacking district. Yeah,
0: yeah. I met Derek Jeter at the meatpacking one. Wow. Oh yeah. Did he make you sign an NDA? I did. I but I got the basket. I got the basket <laughs> and uh, I've decorated. I've decorated my antechamber with several clever girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we met there and and we just got on like a house on fire, which was amazing because like sometimes you meet a famous person, you're intimidated. He wasn't famous to me yet. He's become very famous since then. Yeah, we just like got along really well. And like, I've been on the show ever since. And then when we hit the pandemic, like, we didn't have an audience. So we were like, how are we going to do a monologue? How are we going to do a top of the show? And we knew that, you know, I had really good comedic chemistry, James. So they put me out there and we just started like sort of bouncing off of each other. And then that turned into the monologue. And now, The top of our show, it's now it's like 15 to 20 minutes of just like a bunch of people just kind of bullshitting about the news and then that goes into tangents. Weirdly, the beginning of our show on CBS has become like a podcast. It's basically like a televised podcast. And in my opinion, like the top of the show is is, is as good as it's ever been. Not even just because of me. I think it's the version of James that like I've always known where I'm like, this guy's so funny and so wonderful. And he was always funny in the first place, but it's like, this is his personality. And now people are finally getting to see it. I think.
1: So let me ask you a question because for the longest time, late night televisions, whether it's CBS, NBC, ABC, wherever it is, they follow a very strict and regimented format, which I, I can only believe was kind of, that was Carson's thing. And so everyone just kind of ripped off the way Carson did it. Yeah. And you guys, despite being the continuation of a long-standing franchise, a Late Late Show, broke that. And you do things different, not just what you just described there, but even before the pandemic. It doesn't quite follow the same beats and rhythms as every other talk show. How hard was it to convince the execs at CBS of all places, hey, we're going to do this completely differently?
0: That's a great question. I think, well, we wanted to be even weirder at first. We didn't even want to do any monologue that was like James's idea. He's like, with every, we're gonna start the show different every single night. Yeah, and I think that's probably the ambition of a lot of people when they first start a late night show, and then they realize it's, and then there's another one tomorrow, and another one tomorrow, and another one tomorrow, and then all of a sudden you, we've just done our 900th show. Jay Leno actually came in. I don't know if he does this every time there's a new late night show, but like as we were launching, Jay Leno just decided to come start hanging out, what? and he was there. Like for a couple weeks leading up to our first show, just like Jay Leno, you see you just see like denim walking around outside a window. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, that's Jay Leno, there he is. But he just had great advice. He was like, You have to do a monologue because you want to welcome you gotta welcome the audience to the show, otherwise it's gonna feel weird. It's gonna feel weird when you... I don't know if that's a good Jay Leno. No. <laughs> completely not. talks like that. It's not bad. <laughs> You know
2: what CSI stands for? Christian Slater investigations. Did you know that? You know you hear about this? The actor, Christian Slater, needed 20 stitches in the back of his head after he was hit with a drinking glass thrown by his wife, Nolan Ryan Slater, right before. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you hear about this story? No. You know Christian Slater.
1: Yeah,
2: sure. You, you know what they had a fight about? I was trying to find out today. Apparently, he went to a strip club without her, and she got mad.
0: Whoa. <laughs> she wanted to go. <laughs> And most guys know, what fun is it going to a strip club without your wife? You (laughs) know, Why would you want to do that? We started doing a monologue because of Jay Leno right off the top. And, you know, the thing about our show is that we've always wanted to sort of punch above our weight class. Like we know anytime you do any kind of show, and I think this is especially true of late night, you have to sort of identify and isolate what your host is best at and then put them in that position to do that in as big of a way as possible and as often as possible. And We knew James didn't come from like a stand-up comedy background or, or a, even a sketch background, really, the way so many other people in Late Night do. So we knew the monologue was going to be good, but maybe our monologue wasn't going to be the thing getting shared the next day the way you might with a Colbert or a Seth or, or, or a CMB-like kind of thing. So we were like, how can we put James, he's a song and dance man, he's won a Tony Award. Like, how can we get him singing? okay, he did this thing back in England with George Michael where he was singing in the front of a car for Red Nose Day, you know, for like a charity thing. Mariah Carey is open to pitches. What if we pitch this to Mariah Carey? And like, that's how Carpool Karaoke was born. And then something that we do like Crosswalk the Musical was like James is like a, a Broadway theater guy. I was walking down the street in, in down Fairfax in Los Angeles where there's a ton of like orth- Orthodox Jews. And I was crossing the street and I was like, it'd be very funny to do like Fiddler on the Fairfax where we just shut down Fairfax for the day. <laughs> we still haven't done that. I can't believe it. Wait, Ian, are you Jewish? hundred percent from this and everything. Thank you for asking. <laughs> 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 but that turned into like Crosswalk the Musical, which we've now done. We did like a Harry Styles concert in the Crosswalk and we've done like sound of music with and Janney and like Lin-Manuel Miranda. We did Hair. So all these little ideas where it's like, how can we introduce America to our host in the best way have like turned into our sort of tentpole things, you know?
1: How many people just headed to like farmer's market or or the Grove, just want to pick up some stuff and get fucked over by you guys? Oh, we're doing
0: doing another crosswalk. (laughs) Dude, so many people, because like we have an army of PAs out there. With one of the not not NDAs, the, where they're like signing over, like, yes, I'll appear yeah, on television waivers. We get a lot of people who are just like, no, no, get out of the way. Because they live in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? So they're like, this is not the first time that day right. that they've been delayed <laughs> by a production. You know? <laughs> the funniest was when we did it in Paris. We did Les Mis oh, wow. in Paris, and the French just don't give a fuck. They're like, <laughs> They be just like, fuck you. No, get out of the way. Fuck you. No, I'm not signing that. Fuck you. I'm not being in your stupid brit. I know him. I know it, I know Jay Ocean's 8. No. Fuck you. Like, and I would like, Ocean's 8. Storm off kind of thing. But in this beautiful way that you want French people to react around you. You're smoking a cigarette. Exactly. Fucking Peter Rabbit. Peter <laughs> Rabbit. No. <laughs> Going in, did
2: you feel like this, this pull to kind of do the late night thing and be- and follow those beats? Because I feel like this happens in the NBA all the time where a player wants to try to fit in and do what everyone else is doing without realizing like, wait, I should do what got me here and play to my strengths rather than trying to be somebody else.
0: For me personally, there was definitely a lot of that. I think that we were lucky in a way that like James Corden and Ben Winston, one of our executive producers who's known James since they were both in their 20s, didn't have a history with American late night TV like – They knew who David Letterman was, and they knew who Jay Leno was, and you know, they knew who Johnny Carson was the way that we might know who I can't think of a British equivalent. John Cleese? Yeah, John Cleese and that, but except we've seen those movies. Like, that's culture that didn't really make it over there, like in the same way. So as we grew up watching like Letterman and Leno and Conan, especially, and to me that was like the language of late night, and I would think in those terms all the time, it was good to have people who weren't as steeped in that tradition who could be like, no, we're gonna do this instead. Because another thing is, there's a tradition in late night comedy at 1130, and then there's another tradition at like 1237, which is when we air. It gets weird. So thanks to the NBC Universal merger, I can now show a Walker Texas Ranger clip anytime I want, whenever I want just by pulling this Walker, Texas Ranger lever that I've had for a long time, but couldn't use. I've had this lever for years, couldn't touch it. It's weird. That's like the OG Conan that like we, a lot of, so many of us fell in love with. That's where Letterman started. And that's not what James is suited. James is like, he's more of a polished performer a little bit. He didn't come up on the Harvard lampoon. You know what I mean? That trajectory. Well, neither did I, but my sense of humor was definitely like informed by The Simpsons and Conan and all that stuff. So we started with an ethos that was, we don't air at 1237, we become available at 1237. Let's try to hook the people who are going to like what James does on YouTube the next day, because you can't really control your ratings to an extent you can, but it's like, what does Colbert dump off into us? (laughs) And then we have our own people too. But the second late night show is very much about leading which I know this is very in the weeds, but like- No, this is this is what I want to know.
2: We'll geek out on this, yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Most of Conan's humor, what I love about him is that he's very self-deprecating. Yeah. And I've noticed that that's a big part of your humor too, is yourself. When you do stand up, you like to make fun of yourself. Yeah. So in the same way, I'm trying to imagine if Conan put on like 60 pounds and he had to get rid of his like tall, lanky, skinny, awkward dude thing. What does Ian Carmel do when he loses like 60 pounds?
0: I'll let you know when I found out. I haven't done stand up since the beginning of the pandemic. Like, I've done a couple like Zoom shows, but I didn't really do stand up. It's not, you don't get the same like feel off the crowd and everything like that. I am down 160 or 170 pounds since the last time I did stand up comedy. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm very excited to live past my 40s. I, I, I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> knock on wood. But like, I don't know, dude. I feel so fortunate that I'm on the Late Late Show right now, like to the extent that I am, just so I can be like, okay, you're still funny sometimes at least. You know what I mean? You can still make people laugh with like the right comment because I don't know. I don't know what my stand up is going to be about.
1: I got you right here. Ready? Yeah. The mustache. <laughs>
0: it's the mustache. That's why I started growing a back. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You got to be a little dirty. You got to keep keep the dirtiness. You can't just be so clean and, and in shape. Like, that
0: can't happen. I got to keep a little bit. little, like, slow lick. I just do one of those. Yeah, yeah. It's it. an audio medium, but I want the listeners to know listen to I'm licking my finger and then trailing it along my mustache very disturbingly. I just saw someone getting out of a pool or maybe I just saw you driving off like a used car lot when I sold you something that I know is the brakes don't work on or you tied a damsel to some train tracks. It's a damsel. It's a damsel mustache twirl. <laughs> I don't know. I've been like texting myself thoughts and shit like that but I don't I don't know exactly what I'm going to joke about. When you're as big as I was your whole life is informed by it and like a lot of my comedy was also informed by it. And now I think I'm just too hot. I might just be too hot to do stand-up.
2: Yeah, that might be it. Too hot for stand-up, your
1: next comedy special. Yeah. Who is the hottest comedian? Man. Like, people said Jeselnik, and I'm like, he's not hideous, but I would call him hot. Like, if you didn't know he was a, a stand-up, he's not exactly turning heads when he walks in a room.
0: No. makes like a deconstructed sandwich. Like, all the ingredients are there, <laughs> but he doesn't register as hot. And I love Jeselnik, <laughs> but like... It's everything that you need to make a hot person is there. <laughs> and maybe it's because he's so funny that he doesn't register as hot. Young Eddie Murphy was, yeah, he was. good looking, but might have, that might have mostly been confidence.
2: 2006, Dane Cook.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. See, Dane, yeah. There's a smoke show right there.
2: <laughs> oh, and then you have that makeup sex. You know that makeup sex. Oh.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, guys? You put on a Viking hat. Who's the warden? Tell me who the warden is. You're the warden. You're my warden. Your fucking pussy's on lockdown. You're my pussy's on lockdown. It's a thin draft pool. That's your next, uh, <laughs> on fantasy, hottest comedians. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but isn't this all comedy too, is that a lot of the funniest comedy or the best comedy comes from like dark places. Pain. Pain and all this stuff. Amin is the right person to have on the show to talk about this. My co-host, sorry, my co-host Amin al Hassan. If Chris Farley is pulling up his pants and falls into the table and smashes it, but he's really skinny and he looks like David Spade, it's not half as funny, right?
1: I'm going to disagree because Eric Andre is not a, a big fat dude, but a lot of his stuff is clumsy, whoa, falling into stuff, physical humor like that. and I think Eric Andre is really funny, so. Uh, Like, I get what you're saying, Tom. Once you've established this is who you are, it's almost like a brand, right? You're used to the Apple logo being an apple with a bite out of it. If they came back and said, you know what, we're changing the logo. Like, there's a hit that takes place even if the product itself is the same or a better quality. So it's not necessarily doesn't make Chris Farley funny or that Chris Farley needs to be fat to be funny. It's that we got accustomed laughing at fat chris farley so now we've got accustomed to this apple logo that looks like that and without the cracks obviously
0: but now it's like this whole completely different thing i don't know i don't know if i love it the same way i mean too bad we never got to see it i think it's also he learned how to i mean you learn how to be funny for who you are too you know it's like he learned how to throw his body around like in a funny way like as a fat guy you Eric Andre does the same thing. His is almost more violent than like than like Farley's like on the you know like on the train track kind of thing was like developing a sense of humor as almost like a self-defense mechanism as as a fat guy this is how I can say it went for me and I think it's true for a lot of like other fat people who become funny is you want to make the joke before somebody else makes the mm, joke. Pretty empty. So as like a self-defense mechanism your brain learns how to like take yourself apart you know what i mean like a, like a butcher where you're like okay this is funny about they might point out this they might point out this they might point out this so you make those jokes first
2: you're taking the power away from them you're you're owning it
0: right exactly even if it means throwing yourself under the bus like at least i did it at least it was my choice to like point out that like i look like the guy on the cover of a pizza box you know what i mean like like that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> or like my thighs rub together and it, it, like it gets so hot i could honestly like oh, a, fire so hot, cook a marshmallow on that i would definitely eat <laughs> like whatever like whatever the self-defense mechanism is you get there and it's like i said it so it's me making fun of myself farley is the same way where people are like look at that fat slob probably clumsy Runs into shit and he's like, you think that? I'll show you that.
2: I'm going to agree with you here. Like, I do think that Chris Farley was such a good actor and talented actor that I think he could have had that second turn or that second chapter of his of his career as a serious actor.
0: Yeah, I think so. Have you ever offended someone by your
1: own self-deprecating humor?
0: Yes, definitely with some fat stuff and absolutely with some Jewish stuff, which I've, which I've done before. Which now looking back on, like, before I get it, I am Jewish. I'm 100% Jewish. My- Carmel canceled for anti Semitic remarks. <laughs> <laughs> My friendship with Myers Leonard comes under a close microscope. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up. I'm glad you brought it up. Okay. I'm happy to talk about it if you want to. But, like, I definitely brought up some stuff that was related to both me being fat and Jewish, where, like, people pulled me aside, including my own father a couple of times after shows and were like, Jesus, <laughs> maybe don't, maybe don't talk about that. And they, sometimes they were right. Sometimes they weren't. That's the good thing about comedy is like, and, and what makes it a little harder to do now is that there is definitely for every comedian, this is true. And even for every, not every joke, but like most jokes and most of the great jokes, there's a baby giraffe phase where that thing doesn't know how to walk on its own yet. And you're going to take it up in front of crowds and it's going to fall on its ass a few times. And like, that's what I think a lot of the time when comedians do get in trouble, sometimes they're just showing their ass and they're saying stuff they shouldn't say. And sometimes they're working towards a larger point that would end up paying off in a big way. But they just say something stupid. They're like Nancy Pelosi sending a tweet or like at a press conference. You know what I mean?
2: I don't know which is worse, the Raiders tweet or the Nancy Pelosi speech today.
1: Oh, Nancy Pelosi, man. Nancy Pelosi, because at the end of the day, we could say that whoever sent the Raiders tweet was a social media manager. Kids probably thought they were doing the right thing, or, you know, really. Not the Speaker of the House. Yeah. Speaker of the House, (laughs) man. Like, you got to know better. You have people upon people upon people around you are, are going to tell you hey that's probably not a good idea most of the time they're not speaking off the cuff right no these are prepared remarks eight people had to
0: see that before it went to her
2: and what was weird about it was that there are people in the back as she was saying this they were just nodding like yes like great point there nancy and i'm like oh
1: they're not listening they're not listening No, yeah. they're thinking about lunch they're like you know, <laughs> let's keep it going pastrami sandwich yeah
0: <laughs> they got this podcast in their ear pods that's exactly what's going on
2: so, Amin, this spring, as you get back outdoors to explore there in Phoenix,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you can take bespoke post on all your adventures with a new lineup of essential box of awesome collections for guys guaranteed to upgrade your life. So I know which one I'm getting. What do you get? Is the bourbon collection, the dram It gives you not just bourbon supplies, like a book where you can read about the bourbon or any sort of syrups. You also get those amazing ice ball kits.
1: Oh, those really cool. It looks like the Death Star. And instead of having like a regular ice cube or even those big fancy ice cubes, it's even fancier. It's like a perfect sphere. Right,
2: and like you don't have to go out and like go shopping for any of this stuff. It already gives the kit
1: for you. Yeah, I wouldn't even know where to get that stuff to be honest with you. So that's pretty cool. What else comes in the kit? Happiness.
2: You get the book. You get the syrup. You get the ice cubes. But where are you going to put that in? In a glass. You get the bourbon glass, too.
1: Whoa. Hold on. They're giving me flatware, too?
2: Glassware, I believe.
1: Glassware, stemware,
2: autowares. If you are a camper or you're an outdoorsman, but you don't want to go into a store and you don't even know what you're going to buy, go to Bespoke. It takes the best stuff every month no matter what you're into box of awesome has you covered from style and grooming goods to barware cooking tools and outdoor gear i mean you like taking your family out to go on a camping trip or something like that like you could probably use some of this stuff
1: big camping guy huge camping guy but here's the thing tom i don't know where to start when it comes to what i need to go camping the camping spirit is in me But I just aren't prepared enough. I go to some of these camping stores and I get so confused with so much stuff. What do I need? What do I don't need? I need someone to simplify it for me and preferably just to send it right to my house so I don't have to get up and go to the mall or go somewhere where people are all infected with COVID. I need it to be neat and quick and precise and right to my house. That way you can go straight to the great outdoors.
2: You want to have fun while you're shopping? Well, do it online. Get started by taking the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. So even if you liked something last month, check it out again. And there's going to be a brand new spanking lineup of box of awesomes. Okay. So it's free to sign up and you can skip a month or cancel anytime. Each box costs only only $45 but has over $70 worth of gear inside. So Amin, here's what I want you to do. Get your 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code HAVERSHOW at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, promo code HAVERSHOW, H-A-V as in boy, E-R-S-H-O-W for 20% off your first box. How excited are you to go camping, become a real outdoorsman with a box of awesome with your 20% 20% off your first monthly box with the promo code HAVER Show. Like how excited are you right now at me?
1: I am head over heels and I can't wait till the other boxes come in. The whiskey box, I see the ice balls, I see the simple syrup, the taco box. Woo! I will eat the hell out of a taco box. Let me tell you right now, it's got one of those things. Mortar and pestle. That's a mortar and pestle. Yeah, there you go. You know exactly what I was talking about. All these delectable, delicious, sauces Mm, mm, mm. bespoke y'all got my back
2: but uh, Ian no I'm I'm gonna cut you off here because I want to actually talk Blazer stuff here with Ian that's where I was going well then go go ahead go ahead no 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 no. it's your show
0: it's the Haber show oh you're
2: feeling all big hold on let me sit over here to the side feeling all big Uh, the the co-host
0: of the Haber show I'll ask the question Ian how does it feel being the handsomest Blazer fan it feels great thank you for asking (laughs) Mm. what's your competition here is he the handsomest Handsomest Blazer fan? I'm no near the handsomest Blazer fan. Portland, Oregon is full of rugged, sun-kissed pioneers, really. <laughs> I don't know. Overrated. There's that Matt. Wait, what? Overrated. Portland is overrated? No, the rugged,
1: sun-kissed look. Pioneer look. Overrated. Oh, hell
2: yeah. I thought you were just calling Portland overrated. I was like, dude, he's right there. Portland. Oregon? Yeah. the, dream of the night
1: is alive. Portland, 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 No, I love Portland. I love Portland. It's one of my favorite towns to drop in on, especially NBA or basketball-wise. I went to the 2012 NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. The regionals was in Portland. Yeah. And it was none of the teams had any connection to the Pacific Northwest. And I thought, all right, you're going to get a bunch of people who traveled or whatever, and maybe it would be sparsely popular. And it was packed, and it was all these people were clearly locals because they either had blazers jerseys on or oregon jerseys on or washington jerseys on it was all like packed northwest people and they're just here because they love basketball i was very touched i was like that's pretty cool
0: like they're just here because they lo- they want to watch a good basketball game we love we love basketball i mean seattle of course is a huge you know especially with so many nba players from there but yeah portland too just like we love basketball the schwab invitational was there for the longest time so we would like for no money, you would get to go see, like, amazing high school basketball players. I remember seeing Tyson Chandler, like, in high school. Oh, wow. wow. Why do you think that is? Why
1: is basketball—I mean, because there are a lot of places, you know, you think about places in Georgia and Florida, football, Texas, football. You think about Minnesota, hockey. It's a hockey hockey state. Minneapolis is a hockey town. What made Portland a basketball town? Was it the Blazers or was it already kind of a basketball town before that? I
0: think it was definitely the Blazers. It was the one, I mean, it was the one thing we all had in common, you know, like in that in that city, like for the longest time. And it's the one thing that stayed the same, even as the city has continued to change from a place that was full of like, not lumberjacks, literally, but like lumberjacks and like, as Chuck Palahniuk said, fugitives and refugees, like on the West Coast to, to this Portlandia version that like of the city has become now like the blazers they've been the constant they've been the one thing that like we all had in common and like the one professional team until we got the timbers and the thorns you know and we had the fire for like a a while there it's it that's all we have you know
1: sounds like a bad combination by the way timber thorn blazers
0: and fire it's just (laughs) 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 insurance is through the roof right exactly and we do have wildfires so it's a pressing combination but it's just when they started. I think nineteen seventy, nineteen seventy was maybe the first year. Seventy two. I forget the exact first year. But like, at least the whole time I've been cognizant of of the Blazers, which I guess is from like the early nineties. Like, it's been the thing where I grew up in a suburb called Beaverton, and you could be there, or you could be like in deep southeast Portland, or you could be like in just any part of the city, and like any kind of person, you could talk to him, and it was always. Just the Blazers. It's it's that's what happens in like a one-team town. And uh, again, the Thunder and the or the not the Thunder, hell with the Thunder. (laughs) Jesus, the Thorns and the uh, and the Timbers are amazing too. But like, and they've been good. They've always like been good. That's a cool thing about the Blazers.
1: I know this might hurt your feelings, They're like a lesser version of the Lakers, right? Like a less successful version of the Lakers. The Lakers... I think you will take that. I can
0: put my feelings aside and take <laughs> that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you're consistently good.
2: Made the playoffs in 31 of the last 38 years.
0: Yeah.
1: Small pockets of kind of struggles, kind of like the Lakers, as opposed to the Celtics. Me and Zach Harper talk about this all the time. Biggest fraud organization out there. Fraud. If you take championships post ABA, NBA merger. Oh, yeah. They've got four. They got three that Bird won, and then they got KG and, and Paul Pierce. And that's it. But, like, they live on this history where there were eight teams in the league, and Bob Cousy could shoot 27% from the field, and he'd be an MVP candidate.
0: And you guys ripped Cousy. Yeah, you know how many games Cousy played? You know, he'd taken trades to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and run into the ball game because the trade is late, and they played the night before in Boston. And he go out there and play 45 minutes.
1: They've got these long stretches in their organizational
0: history where they were just trash. Just trash. It's players showing up to games in cars that other players sold them at the dealerships they worked at in the (laughs) (laughs) offseason. And then your backup power forward could fix the car if he needed to. And he could get under there easy because he was six foot one. Yeah, that's like, those are the teams they won championships with. But yeah, the Blazers have been good, like, the whole time. And even the bad periods... You know, we got Greg Oden out of one of them. <laughs> but like, they've always been fun, man. From the Memorial Coliseum to the Rose Garden, it's always been like a fun place to see a basketball game too. It's just, it's been beautiful.
2: You've likened the 2016 Warriors getting Kevin Durant, like revving a Ferrari engine in front of a homeless shelter.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it
2: means cracking up. Uh-
1: <laughs> the mental image in my mind. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ian, the question is, How many games would you have beaten the Raptors in? Four or five games?
0: I think it would have been a gentleman's five. I think we would have given them one in Toronto, just out of a sort of we the North shared identity.
2: Any bitterness that, like, that KD team you guys met in the Western Conference Finals got swept? You had the Myers-Leonard game. You guys could have been champions two years ago.
0: I was at the Myers-Leonard game. I know, man, like... It's it's that story every time. It's 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 that. It's it's Shaq completing the alley oop from Kobe. Brian to Shaq. In two thousand one, we would have won that championship. I guess you go back to the early nineties. I don't know that we would have beat the Bulls ever, and we def we didn't, and we didn't beat the Pistons either. But like, it is a bummer. It's a bummer knowing that we've gotten so close so many times. And I'm thirty six years old, and I'm now at this young age, fairly young. Getting into the, I don't know if we'll ever see them win a championship in my lifetime phase. Really? What the hell? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take, dude. You've lost all this weight. You're going to live through your 40s at least. Come on. I feel like I'm going to have like a long, healthy life from here on out. And here's the thing: I'm happy. I'm a happy Blazer fan. There's a lot of people who are like miserable Blazer fans. Most of them are like really young right now who like want them to fire Terry Stotts and like. And they think, like, trade everybody but Dame and then, like, or or trade Dame because the team is so bad. Like, I'm not like that. I enjoy this. I'm fine with this Blazers team. I'm fine with us being this good and occasionally making it to the Western Conference Finals.
1: How frustrated do you get, though, knowing that at least in the last three or four years, you could probably point to injuries as being more of a reason for Portland's shortcomings than anything else?
0: Yeah. And I don't know why people don't. Talk about that more. I mean, like, we've been not, and I don't even mean in the national media, I mean, like, local fans and, like, stuff like that. It's like, you know, this season, what the Blazers have done is, like, amazing. Not having CJ for the longest time and not having Nurk for the longest time and never having Zach Collins, ever, ever. Like, I don't know the the last time that guy put shorts on, like, and they're, like, in sixth place in the West and, you know, like, up until recently, we're, like, 10 games over 500. It's like, what do you want out of this team? They're doing pretty good given the circumstances. And, I mean, that's been true, like, I mean, with Wesley Matthews snapping his Achilles, like, you know, several seasons ago and all that stuff. Like, every time they started to rev up. So it's it's frustrating, but, like, who do you get mad at? It's, like, one of those things, you know? God. Uh, God,
2: yeah. You wouldn't fare well on first take. I'll just say it right here. You'd be way too reasonable. <laughs> yes. Ian's like, hey, you know, I'm just happy with, like, a 50-win season every year. That's It's really fun to watch Damian Lillard. Skip Bayless over there is just like, you fraud. Just wants to bite your head off.
0: Skip, here's the thing. You go to the Rose Garden. You get yourself a bunk sandwich. You sit there. You watch Dame score 40. Maybe we win. Maybe we lose. And there's no traffic on the way home, blah, blah, blah. We'll be right back. And then we go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> They have great food in the Rose Garden, or I'm sorry, the Moda Center. Moda Center. Does it bother you, the name change? I shouldn't have started meditating a year ago. I lost my edge. I don't care anymore either. I'll call it the Moda Center, you know, whatever. You used to. It did used to bug me. I was one of those people where I'm like, I'm not calling it Moda. I'm calling it the Rose Garden. But that just doesn't sound like calling it, like, I'm only going to call it the vet. It's just still, so you you can't be mad about a Rose Garden. Can't be mad about the name of a place, it's more like it. <laughs> hey, come on, you can't whatever. Get, get, get your money, Paul Allen's sister, or whatever. What is
2: your take on Lamarcus Aldridge getting his jersey retired? Now you started meditating. Do you think, like, hey, Lamarcus Aldridge, come on down? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely not.
0: I wish him well. I think he made the right decision for his, for his health. <laughs> that, just took me so, that just took me so off guard. I mean. <laughs> I'll take a hard left turn on this one. The meditation went right out the window.
1: Yeah. <laughs> fuck that guy. Absolutely not. Yeah.
0: That's, it's not fuck LaMarcus Aldridge, but it's like, we haven't retired Brandon Roy's jersey yet. And I think we should retire Brandon Roy, Roy's jersey. I don't think we should retire LaMarcus Aldridge's jersey. We're not in that place. You shouldn't retire it yet, or you shouldn't retire it? We should never retire LaMarcus Aldridge's jersey. Wow. I think number 12 should be available for whoever wants to wear it for in perpetuity. We didn't do anything with he didn't he was never okay so he was wait a minute we did i mean we were good we were in the playoffs ian you're
1: putting tom in a weird position because tom has been a guy's tradition like yeah oh, Lamar marcus is a little overrated and now he's got to be
2: now i gotta defend the Lamarcus marcus cape the skip bayless is coming out of you here ian, it man, is where you're like where the fuck did this guy win like he never won the championship what we're just gonna hand out
0: retired jerseys like they're candy we do, as a franchise, hand out retired jerseys like they're candy. Or we did. Everyone who had anything to do with the 77 team had their jersey retired. Oh, it's
1: fascinating.
0: It's crazy.
1: Can we play this game? Can you name the retired jerseys of the Portland Trailblazers? Because I played this with Zach on, on the radio a few weeks ago, and
0: he failed miserably. Oh. <gasps> oh. I probably can't because there's Dave Twardzik, Maurice Lucas, Bill Walton. Uh Uh-huh. There's so many other people on that old team. I'll give you a hint.
1: There are two eras of Blazer history where all of these numbers come from. One is the championship. The other is the teams that went to the finals in the 90s.
0: Those Rip City teams. Just name names, like it's, it's all coming. Out. <laughs> I mean, Clyde Drexler and Terry Porter got their jerseys retired. Okay, you're up to five now. Did they retire Jerome Kersey's? They should. That's a jersey we should retire if we didn't. Jerome Kersey's a no. They didn't. They should retire Jerome Kersey's jersey. Not only because he was a great player for the team, but up until his death, which was tragic, just a great like ambassador for the team and the city. He would just walk around the the Rose Garden at the time, and you could just go talk to Jerome Kersey. Which, as if you grew up in Portland. Come on, what's better than that? He was so nice. Also, he had the softest hands I've ever touched. Every 15 minutes with lotion, probably that guy. (laughs) Did they retire Duck? Yeah, I was going to say. No. Oh, God, another rest in peace. So only Terry Porter and Clyde Drexler from that team then, because they didn't retire Buck either. Mm -mm. What about Uncle Cliff? Oh, Uncle Cliffy. No. That would be interesting to retire Cliffy. I think they should retire Rasheed. I think they should retire Brandon Roy. And those are the only jerseys I think they should retire. Until Dan retires. Yeah. So you missed
1: Bob Gross, Lloyd Neal, Jeff Petrie. Oh, Jeff Petrie. I should have got that. Jeff Petrie. Jack Ramsey. Well, of course, Dr. Jack. Larry Steele, Lionel Hollins, and Larry Weinberg, the owner.
0: I think LaMarcus Aldridge is great, but LaMarcus left and took a meeting with the Lakers. I mean, him shunning the Lakers was one of his greatest Blazers highlights. I will say that. But he left. Brendan Roy wanted to stay. You know, and, he, and his knees just gave up. I would retire Brandon Roy from that era before I retired LaMarcus, even though I think LaMarcus's tenure with the Blazers was kind of underrated now, but not Jersey retire underrated.
1: I think we all agree Brandon Roy's a no-brainer. Why has yeah. it
0: taken this long? It's insane, that he hasn't yet, and it makes the team look bad, I think.
1: You
2: mentioned it earlier about uh, Myers Leonard, and I wanted to ask you. Amin and I have talked about it before, how that was such a deep cut of a slur that he used.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm not leaving because you asked me about Myers. I'm plugging my laptop. <laughs> well,
2: I'm used to this. Amin does this every three minutes. He just gets up and walks off set. Ian, you're back. I'm back. What was it like to read Myers Leonard, who you were, I think, friendly with while he was in Portland, and maybe still
0: friendly with? Yeah. You know, it was it was a bummer to to see that video. It was definitely a bummer. I'll be honest. Like, I I am friendly with my. I was friendly with Myers and remain like you know cordial with him i wouldn't like call us friends or anything like that but we're friendly i wish him well and everything and like you know i'll text him every now and then but like the first thing that occurred to me when i saw that video was he doesn't know what this word means like that was earnestly my first reaction wow and it was he doesn't know what this word means and the internet and online gaming are so full of loose slurs and just like people throwing them around that, like, that I honestly feel like, like that word, you know, which is, you know, again, I'm, I'm Jewish, which is like harmful and hateful and it sucks to hear anyone say it. Like, I think it just probably snuck into his lexicon and he just repeated it thinking it was like a synonym for like coward or you know, like bitch, which he said right after it, which he also shouldn't have said, especially like on a Twitch like that which is also a dehumanizing and offensive thing to call people, but not to the level that the first word he said was, because I'm saying one of them and I'm not saying the other, to paraphrase a John Mulaney bit. If you're comparing the badness of two words and you won't even say one of them,
2: that's the worst word.
0: I immediately thought, he doesn't know what this means. And then I also thought, he can't say I didn't know what this means because that's going to be, people are going to pile on him for saying he doesn't know what this means. I feel like I can't, say what I want to say about it without people thinking that like my prior relationship to him is going to completely inform what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway, because this is earnestly how I feel and how I felt when it happened. The amount of like glee that I saw break out on Twitter when he got caught saying that word and the amount of like joy that people had in jumping on Myers Leonard for saying that word disturbed me because I don't feel like anyone was, there were, and when I said not anyone, that's not true. I think there were a few people who were earnestly upset that like somebody was saying like an anti-Semitic slur and that like this language was so pervasive in society that somebody might say it without even knowing what it meant or that somebody would say it knowing what it meant. And that's terrible too. And like, I do think that's an awful thing to say. But the thing that maybe disturbed me most was like how happy people were that somebody fucked up and said it and they were like, now we get to like destroy this person. And I was like, if we're going to be upset about anything, let's have like an actual conversation about like anti-Semitism and how like, and and, and how ingrained in the certain cultures it is and, and stuff like that. But like, we're clearly not going to do that. We're just going to be like, oh, he said one of the words you can't say. Let's destroy this person. And I think a lot of it was probably tied to feelings they already had about Myers Leonard for standing during the anthem and all that stuff. It's inextricable. It's like absolutely linked and stuff like that. It just kind of like gave me a sick feeling where like we'd be bummed out that someone said this. Like we shouldn't be, and like Twitter's jokes. I understand that. Twitter is like a place where people go to joke, but it's like, I wish people were bummed out that somebody said this word and not quite so fucking excited. Like somebody just hit like a, pinata like that's what it felt it was like somebody burst open a Myers Leonard pinata that they'd been swinging at for like a long time and I mean it was him who burst it open I don't feel bad for Myers in this situation let me I also want to clarify that it's a fucked up thing to say I wish he hadn't said it
2: you're saying it's more of a reflection of society that you're a little bit put off by
0: I was a little bit put off by like yeah it was like should we be bummed why why do people seem happy that this happened? It was like somebody put a pie on a windowsill. It was like that kind of energy. Again and also as a Jew, I mean again, like my, both my grand like my grandparents survived the Holocaust. You know what I mean? Like it's this shit is very close to me. I can call someone who was in that world. Right. It seemed to me that anti-Semitism in that case was something that was chosen to be taken seriously because it met people's preconceived notion. Criteria for outrage. Criteria for outrage, yeah. And like not something that people take seriously. Exactly. Like
1: right now, all those people who are so outraged, are they still outraged over
0: anti-Semitic things that are happening? I don't think so. Probably not.
1: No, probably not.
0: And listen, there's only so much room that people have for outrage and like attention for it. And certainly there are a cavalcade of issues bigger than anti-Semitism in the United States and as far as how much it actually affects people, like on the street, like I might encounter antisemitism and it kind of like makes my day worse a little bit. Whereas somebody might encounter like racism and then they don't have a tomorrow or like that kind of thing. So as far as like where it ranks on the things people should be spending like daily attention on, it's pretty low, honestly, but like that was the, that was the feeling it gave me when it happened. Ian, let me ask
1: you a question because you're not besties with the guy, but you are friendly enough where you guys can communicate you could text each other whatever that thing happens how much of you says wait i know this guy he seemed to be a decent guy when i interact with him i'm jewish i should reach out to him privately and kind of get to the bottom of this and maybe help him kind of figure out what's going on
0: yeah i mean we did talk we did talk like that day like when it happened and everything and he wanted like he wanted to apologize. He reached out to you. I texted him for like a pretty long thing about like how disappointing it was to hear it. And again, like we've hung out twice outside of me like saying, I don't want a basketball game, but like, you know, I'm Jewish. And like, I feel like I know you fairly well. I know you're not, I don't know, but like I don't you've never You don't come across as super hateful. You don't or, come man. across like that and it hasn't like me being Jewish has never been a thing where you're like, oh, I'm not fucking hanging out with Ian Carmel, you know. I am fairly openly Jewish. And like I think he like we did talk, and he just wanted to apologize like on a on a person to person level and also say like I didn't know what it meant. And like you can call me a sucker if you want. I believe him. I believe that he didn't know what it meant. I think that people can be sheltered from certain things and not really understand. Like, I don't know when he would have found out what (laughs) means, you know what I mean? I don't know when growing up in suburbs of Illinois and not Jewish suburb of Illinois, you know what I mean? And then like being like on select basketball teams from like the age of 12 probably, you know? And then like immediately going to the NBA. I don't know when that would have popped up the same way it might pop up in people who live more varied and diverse lives. And I don't mean like diverse, like you meet more people, but I mean like you have a di- more diversity of experience where, you know, 50 hours of every, at least is devoted to basketball, you know?
2: Does watching that Myers Leonard game change for you now?
0: That's a, that's a, I mean, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it until now.
2: I don't know if it's the same thing as comedy. We sometimes have a hard time separating the art from the artist. And so, yeah. like, do you watch a game With Myers Leonard just making, you know, memories like things you'll never unforgettable of performance
1: and how how the Moda Center was just popping in that game. Does it tarnish your memories of of the good things that he did?
0: Yeah, I think it does. I think because I know how it ends and I think it has ended. I don't think he probably comes back. And even if he did, it's now he's become a villain in the eyes of and whether that's rightly so or not, it's not for me to say or anything, but like.
2: The Oklahoma City Thunder press release when they waived him was was pretty pretty strong.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> he will never, ever be a part of this organization, ever. We're just acquiring him because we got a good trade out of it.
0: We, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't trade for Myers Leonard. We traded for $11 million of dead cap money, just to be clear. <laughs> I think, it, I mean, it does turn, like why going back and watching that, because that's the other lame thing, like, he was he was like uh he was like the, the he was like the Labrador retriever puppy who always knocked over lamps of the Portland Trailblazers. You know, like that was his thing.
2: Same thing with Heat. He was like he was the biggest cheerleader on the team. That was his role.
0: People loved him. He would like flex when you dunked, you know, who doesn't want that in their life? Someone who flexes when you do something dope? Like, but yeah, now you know how like the the, the story ends for him as like a public figure. And yeah, it does, it makes it it makes it kind of sad. It makes the whole thing sad. Yeah.
2: Switching gears here to a more positive note, Blazers this season, postseason, you're happy with what? Man,
1: we're going to ask fully self-actualized Ian Carmel what he's happy with now. He's like, I'm happy with everything. Peace and blessings and, and, and health. He just said
2: LaMarcus Aldridge, like, get out of town. So I'm not buying this whole nuanced Ian Carmel, just butterflies and rainbows, Blazers fan.
0: Listen, as far as the playoffs goes, as long as the Nets don't win so LaMarcus doesn't get a ring, I'm happy with any outcome. God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I would love for the Nets to win and LaMarcus to get a ring. I would, that would be great. For the Blazers, I would love to see us beat one of the LA teams. If we can do that, that's my championship. And even if it's the Clippers. Luckily, in my fandom, beat the Clippers in the playoffs a couple times and it's always awesome. I love it. Let me ask you this. If I told you
1: you're going to beat one LA team but you're going to lose to the other one. Would you rather beat the Clippers and lose to the Lakers or beat the Lakers and lose to the Clippers?
0: Oh, I'd rather beat the Lakers. I would absolutely rather really? beat the Lakers. Yeah, 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 yeah. But
1: losing to the
2: Clippers though, that would that would suck.
0: I know. It's it sucks cuz it's but at least that's their new money. If we lose to the Lakers, it that's like five generations of fans being mean to me on Twitter, posting the gif of me dressed like a Laker girl, like all that stuff. Where if we lose to the Clippers, that's like 15 people who moved to LA to work in TV.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Damn wiki. No. It's Paul Shear.
0: It'll be Paul Shear and Adam Devine being mean to me on Twitter, and that'll be and I'll be fine with it. I'll make it through.
1: <laughs> Ian, let me ask you. Well, let me throw my hot take at you and then get your yeah. reaction. I didn't like the Norm Powell trade. Not because I don't like Norm Powell. I think he's a really good player and he's going to help them. But I thought Gary Trent did something for that team that, as the owners of the third worst defense in the history of the NBA, look it up a guy who could at least get you a couple of stops at the end of a playoff game. Yes. What was your reaction when you saw Gary Trent
0: get traded for Norm Powell? Uh, I, my first reaction, I like that whole day, I was just like, "How did we not get Aaron Gordon? Oh, yeah. How did we just? I, I wanted them just to do." It's been four years of us like rumored, and it was CJ for Aaron Gordon, and I didn't want that to happen for like the longest time. And then, like, I saw the package he go went for, and I was like, "There was nothing. We couldn't. There was nothing. I know we didn't have our first because of Covington and everything, but I was like, we couldn't somehow get involved in that and like." I, th- I love Norm Powell. I think he's amazing, and I think he's going to be fantastic on whatever team he signs with next year that isn't the Blazers, <laughs> which is absolutely going to happen. I think you're right. I mean, like Gary Trent, there was, a, there was an energy he had on the court where it's like, listen, he's not Kawhi Leonard, but he like really, really cares, and he's going to like, you know, Dame and CJ can only play so hard on that end of the floor because of how much energy they expend, you know, when they're playing when they're playing offense because they're there are offense. We need them to do that. Whereas Gary Trent was like a bonus on the offensive side. I think Gary Trent is going to be like have a long NBA career and be like really good. And also we probably couldn't have afforded him, you know, next year, but like He's going to get a shit ton of money. Show me the money. He's going to get a lot of money. At least we would have had the option to match it. We probably wouldn't have. I thought if we were going to send him somewhere, I don't know, man, like our offense was already pretty good and it did go up a couple notches bringing in no powell so i was like this is cool this is not the answer this this does not change the ceiling of our team i I didn't think really
1: i kind of feel like if if it was gary Trent going out for aaron gordon you would have felt a lot a lot better
0: that would have been great because he's got another year on his contract we would have locked him up you know that would have been this year next year with with aaron gordon and somebody who can like Switch on defense. Yeah, get a, get yeah. a stop.
1: Guard yeah. somebody.
0: Guard somebody. Throw some screens up. Why do you think they're so bad defensively? By the way,
1: you add Covington, you add Derek Jones. I'm not saying it's supposed to be like the '94 Knicks,
0: but like you're not supposed to be the third worst defense of all time. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, part of it is not having Nurk for a long time, and then not and not having Zach Collins too. But like, I don't know. I don't. Do you guys think you guys are so much smarter about basketball than me? Do you think Terry Stotts is an issue? Do you think it's his defensive systems, like no, or do you think it's strictly like a personnel issue, or, or or effort, or what?
2: I think the point of attack is a problem where with Dame and CJ just don't. I don't think they stay in front of people enough to keep that back line from just giving up layups. Yeah, they have so much responsibility on the other end of the floor. I'm not even blaming them but the point of attack, their perimeter defense they need like a Rudy Gobert back there to clean up all that mess there and they just they just don't have that kind of big that dynamic big who can defend it at at a high level.
0: We love Nurk too, but yeah, you're right. He's not he's not like that level of defender. He's good. He's just not good enough to make up for
1: the shortcomings of Damon CJ, you know. It's a small backcourt and it's not not necessarily a defensive ball hawk backcourt and, and because they're so good offensively, you kind of have to play them as much as they're playing. And and so it's hard to even subsidize them with someone else that, that three man has to be just out of this world at that point. It's tough.
2: Ian, I want to wrap here with this question. Yes. I just looked up the worst five PERS in Portland trailblazer history in their career, minimum 50 games. So the worst productive players I want you to just give me Things that pop in your head when I say these players. The lowest PER of all time for the Portland Trailblazers in history with at least 50 games in a Blazer uniform is Caleb Swanigan.
0: Oh, Biggie.
1: He played 50 games?
2: 65.
0: Yeah, that's amazing to me. Biggie Swanigan, big number 50 out there, I think he was. like. Here's the thing about Portland fans, and I'm just going to tell you this because this will be close to the reaction you get from me on all of them. We love everybody.
2: I know. I didn't mean to say like a mean thing, just like a memory. No, no. Yeah.
0: Something. I recall following him on Instagram and thinking, I can't wait for this long and fruitful relationship for the next decade. And then, and then I think the last thing I saw, he like, was a post from Turkey or something like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Amin has a story about this guy, Victor Claver. Oh, Victor Claver.
0: Yeah. Big French guy, right? My immediate reaction is he was part of our- I think he's Spanish. Yeah, but- Was he Spanish? Oh, yeah. he was Spanish. You're right. Sure. Spain, the France of Europe, a lot of people call it. I know I do. I just remember him being like part of our, I just think the future. No. <laughs> the future. We got Claver, Sergio Priapa, Sergio <laughs> Rudy Fernandez, Sergey monya <laughs> All these great European players who came over who were gonna be the difference makers. That's what I think uh, of there.
1: I love this game. Very well. Scored Who's next up? All right, Nolan Smith. Oh man, Nolan Smith. He's a dookie. You couldn't have loved him.
0: He's a dookie. Now, nah, just like backup, backup point guard. I remember thinking he was very skinny and somebody should take him aside and feed him a nice, a nice, a nice or something like that. He was a very slender dude. Peter Gudmanson from the 82 team. Peter Gudmanson. If you have to buy a Toyota Corolla, there's no better place to go than Peter Gudmanson's. I'll tell you that for free.
1: Me and Zach have a thing where every day on, we do this uh, thing called uh, this day in NBA history. We look up birthdays and we find the name of at least one person who absolutely would never play in the NBA today. Peter Gudmanson, ladies and gentlemen.
0: No way, Peter God. If Peter Gudmanson is, is, is 20 years old right now, that guy, that guy brings a lunch pail to work for sure.
1: Wait a minute, this
2: guy is Icelandic and he went to Mercer Island, Washington High
0: School? Whoa. Okay, so he's not local, but local-ish. He's a local ish boy, Mercer Island, sure. Wow. I bet some other NBA players went to Mercer Island, actually. Who's next? Who's next? Caldwell there? Jones. Nothing. I mean, I tell. You, I, I don't remember him at all. Was he the number one pick? He wasn't the guy who was the number one pick, was he?
2: Big old Caldwell. He was the 14th pick in the 1973 draft.
0: He should play a no-nonsense detective in something. I know that just based on that name. Caldwell. Show up in Lincoln. Absolutely. I'm surprised Armand Johnson didn't make an appearance. Where's Darnell Valentine on there? Darnell
1: Valentine, Darren <laughs> Hancock. <laughs> We're gonna put t-
0: tino game just for that.
1: Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're gonna be gray and old. Don Antonio Winfield. <laughs> Whoa, Don Antonio. I think I had a Don
0: Antonio Winfield card. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, my man. God.
2: We have, like, less than a minute left on the show, so plug your shit. Plug it all.
0: Watch The Late Late Show with James Corden. Listen to All Fantasy Everything, wherever podcasts are available. And have me on, have me on Pack Your Knives at some point. I have Top Chef Portland thoughts.
2: Yes! Oh, man, I wish we had more time with this. We're going to have you on Pack Your Knives. That's it.
0: Perfect. Let's do it. Awesome. Thank you, Ian. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. We did it. We rap perfectly. All right.
1: Th- thanks, Ian.
2: We wrapped That was amazing. We should be on TV.
1: <laughs> he's, he's like, nah, we're <laughs> Keep this. Keep all of it, man. <laughs> he left. He's like, fuck out of here. You and LaMarcus Aldridge. <laughs>